Welcome to episode 3 of What's the Chakkar, the flagship podcast of thechakkar.com. My name is Karan Madhok and I'm the editor and co-founder of The Chakkar. We are an Indian arts review, a celebration of India's artistic creativity, and we publish writing on Indian film, music, literature, theater, art, sports and so much more. We also publish creative work like poetry, fiction, photography, original art, etc, etc, etc. So over the next hour or so I will interview a number of guests on recent trends in music literature and film and TV from India and abroad. In conversation today we have Adi Manral Shasta Vaishnav and Pratik Santram and we will discuss the new track and musical direction of the renowned artist Lifafa. We will dive into books by Pradeep Damodaran and Delia Owens and talk about the film Cargo and the film's place in the sketchy history of Indian sci-fi. So strap in and let's go around the chakkar. So I'm here with Shasta Vaishnav. Shasta, how are you doing? I'm great, Karan. Thanks. How are you? I'm good. I'm in cold, cold uh, Masuri right now. Uh, cold January, raining outside. Um, I guess no better time to read, right? That's <laughs> yes. No better time to cuddle up with a book and a blanket. <laughs> uh, how about you? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm also in the mountains at the moment, uh, but it's not at all cold here. I'm in Kamshet, uh, Maharashtra. Um, it's about 25 degrees. It's also raining here, funnily enough, but it's not exactly winter still. Mm. Or rather, I think winter passed us by. But it's always a good time to read, according to me. So, uh, I've been reading as well. So, inadvertently, we're going to have, um, you know, a background mountain theme, I guess. Um, The, the, yes. the book so so we spoke about the the books for this week and i think uh, for this month i should say and both the books that you and i read or i started on i haven't finished my book yet are uh, a bit older uh, but at the same time mm-hmm. i i feel that they, there is a particular relevance to what both of us are reading to contemporary times too we can uh, discuss that later uh, so i have been reading borderlands by pratib damodaran i can show it to you here's the cover Uh, oh yeah okay okay beautiful cover here nice. um, borderlands is uh, so pradeep damodaran is a journalist and he was the chief of bureau of uh, the deccan chronicle in chennai uh, this, no, this book okay. was first published in 2017 and it's a very unique book uh, i like to call it like a casual anthropological travel log it's not it's not like scientifically you know a, a serious anthropological work but it's also like a travel log where he goes to He goes to ten ten locations, which are uh, mm-hmm. what he has assumed are the furthest borders of India from all over the from all corners. You know, uh, these okay. are the type of places where the residents have a foot in each country. So one in India and the one one foot in in our neighbors, really. So right, it right. sounds like a simple enough idea, and he writes it with such personal passion and interest in the subject. So, and he frames himself as uh, what. he calls and not just him a lot of people call mainland india mainland indians mm-hmm. which i think mm-hmm. the type of indian i guess you and i also are you know uh, the type of indians who are part of the the mainland native of the country in a way uh, and he yes. frames it against the indians on the borderlands of the of the country uh, right so for example he uh, in the very first chapter he hits he goes to dhanushkodi in tamil nadu which is an area that's 
just 24 kilometers away from Sri Lanka. Uh, he, okay. He goes to Husseini Wali on the Punjab border with Pakistan. Uh, he finds himself in Tawang in Arunachal Pradesh, which shares a disputed border with China. He finds himself mm-hmm. on the Indo-Bangladesh border trail and so much more, right? Um, so mm-hmm. now, obviously, there's a lot of difference in these different <clears throat> in these places. He goes to ten different. Uh, uh, they're divided in ten different chapters. The language right. is different. The culture, the way people dress, um, how they feel about India, how they feel about our neighbors, it's also different. And India is such a massive country, yes. but it's hard to generalize, right? And we share our territorial yeah. or maritime borders. Uh, from his introduction, he says that we share our ter- territorial or maritime borders with at least ten different countries. So in the intro, wow. he describes borderlands as I'm quoting him. Usually, those ambiguous spaces whose inhabitants find themselves trapped between two distinct national entities. So, some of these places are really peaceful. Uh, one of my favorite chapters was uh, when he goes to the Minicoy Island in the Lakshadweep. Which is a tiny place, tiny mm-hmm. island of just four thousand eight hundred square kilometers. Population is around ten thousand people. Uh, it has its own distinct mm-hmm. culture, very peaceful. There's almost no crime. Uh, there's a funny. Um, so he interviews a lot of local people. There's a funny moment where the the police walas don't know where the actual jail is on the island because no one has used the jail mm-hmm. in so long. You know, uh, it's mostly a Muslim population, and it's sort of framed as this super safe place where people get up when they want to. They work late at night. The women walk around really peacefully. They like feel no danger. Um, most of the men are in like sea-related professions. So, uh, so, so there's places like that, and then there's places like uh, heavily militarized area areas in Arunachal Pradesh where the locals are they sort of caught in a tug of war between India and China. Uh, they they have right. the culture of both the places, you know, but they feel almost right. as outsiders to both. Uh, you know, it's, it it's this weird thing where both countries are claiming them, but also not claiming them. Um, there's always yes. a threat of violence. There's always a threat of curfew, and still, like the author Damodaran, he finds yeah. like some beautiful culture amidst this tension, right? Um, yeah, so it's yes, I, I'm really enjoying it, and uh, I think if you are as someone who used to love, I mean, I still love traveling, but especially the last year, it's been difficult for all of us. It is, uh, and it mm-hmm. makes me envious of the kind of places he he was able to visit all those years ago, and to hear the stories, to hear the stories about these people, to hear them humanized. It's a. Uh, it it was very interesting for me to read. That's great. It's really. Uh, it's really important to acknowledge all these uh, people as part of our country, right? Because they always feel like they're on the fringes. They're 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 not. They don't belong. And you know, ma- mainly because the government never really acknowledges them. So it's really great to hear their side as an and look at what they're going through. Uh, and uh, this is a great idea because i feel like of course the northeast has always had their problems with india in the sense of being ignored but it's all borders really it's all borderland people you know so uh, i feel like this is an important uh, read as well like people, more people should know about it so. and and so specifically i was wondering why uh, i mean okay I, i've been wanting to pick this book up for a long time but I really felt a, a powerful urge to start reading it now because um, I found mm-hmm. myself thinking like a lot of Indians, you know, about the ideas of nationalism and patriotism. What does it mean to love yes. one's country? Um, and it, yes. I feel it's pretty random to be born where we are born. So I was born in Varanasi in Uttar Pradesh, which is basically like the Hindi slash Hindu heartland of India's most populous state. You know, uh, Varanasi yes. is basically yes. as typically Indian as India can possibly get. 
but if i was born okay. in a pl- place like uh, so he goes to raxol for example which is on the border of india nepal uh, i i wonder where would i really belong you know how could i love one country when i'm basically part of both countries i can walk across the borders you know and what's funny is that the yeah. culture and community in these places is almost exactly the same on both sides of the border so people on the pakistan border there's literally no difference between indians and pakistanis you know uh, who lives in these, yeah. who live in these borderlands um so I, really what is the point of these imaginary separating lines you know where people are the same um nationalism almost feels like a distraction or a, or a way to try and unite people so you know so you can be the only way you can be united is if you united against somebody across that line uh and in yes. reality uh, the, these lines are in reality not that um, absolute they feel very blurry to me and especially in this book if you read it feels like they are it's 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 an it's an abstract idea the idea of the border because the people culturally are socially are are very much in the mix of both worlds definitely and the whole accident of birth uh, you know is just like something that it really i i don't get the whole idea of patriotism based on an accident of birth where you, like where why should where you are born define the way you feel forever and lock, sort of hold you hostage to one culture or one you know uh, area so i feel like um, these are questions that should be asked and uh, you know it's important for because like you said we are all mainstream people so we don't really mainland mainstream like we don't really stray and you know look at the people uh, look at the life of people on the fringes so um but it's really interesting karan that i figured that there is a there is again once again a theme that mm-hmm. is uniting both our books okay. because uh because you speak about people on the fringes or on the borders and mm-hmm. uh, the book i read is a fiction one okay uh and uh it's about a girl who lives uh in the wild like literally on the borders on the fringes in the marsh literally okay. and okay. not not at all near civilization okay so it's and it's very much about that so it uh it does have a central theme running through yeah so let's talk about your book a little bit uh, you you read you read a, a novel again uh, what was it called yes i read uh, a very very uh, popular novel uh Uh, which i just which was on my list for a long time and i said okay i have to read it it's called mm-hmm. where the crawdads sing by delia owens and uh, i think it's uh, on the new york times bestseller list for the last uh, two ma- two years and uh, it's recently topped the uk bestseller list as well and uh, it it is for for good reason it's it's not just one of those you know um sensationalized bestsellers it's really beautifully written mm-hmm. so um So basically Delia Owens is a very renowned uh, zoologist and she's worked in Africa for 23 years and she's written three best-selling non-fiction novels about nature and her work and her time with the animals and everything like that she's worked with elephants lions very very closely mm. and this is her first fictional uh, this is her fictional debut and you can't define this book in any genre it's it's a murder mystery it's a coming of mm. age story it's a portrait of nature it's beautifully descriptive beautifully descriptive so um i've never been anywhere near the marshes of north carolina it's set in the marshes of north carolina which is a very uh sort of uh, you know non uh, visited untouched sort of place which not too many people have heard of but and i feel like i can see them vividly that especially that marsh you know with 
it's gulls and tortoises and sandbanks and herons mm. and boats and you know stars and clouds and crabs it's it's very 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 descriptive and every paragraph is painstakingly crafted you know which mm. which makes it a real pleasure to read so uh, i'll tell you a little bit about the story it's about a marsh girl uh, called kya clark Uh, and she's left by her family to fend for herself in the marsh like a wild creature her mother her father her brothers and sisters they all leave her when she's fairly young so she literally she's a child left alone in the marsh and it's her story about you know uh, all she has is her little shack and her memories and the story follows her life her friends her lovers you know the life she has along the way and it's interspersed with the timeline of a future murder mystery which she gets involved in oh. basically so the ending is very surprising it's spectacular and the entire story is like a painting so you we literally follow her life growing up in the marshes and what's happening mm-hmm. right so and one can make out that a nature writer has written it because mm. she is like the comparison between nature and human life human behavior is phenomenal like the way our ancestry shapes our reactions uh the way we are genetically programmed to behave in certain ways uh to survive you know she often compares human behavior to fireflies to sea creatures uh like how do we to gulls you know to, to how do we uh really how are we similar in terms of the signs we give out the survival instinct and uh, i feel like the only other book where i recall loving the descriptions of nature so much uh was god of small things uh, by arundhati roy yeah wow. yeah because kerala also just burst into life on the pages right in that mm. book so i mean i vividly i remember kerala the way she described it and that's the same way i remember this marsh and i think i'll, I'll always remember it like i now i want to go and see mm. like what is this space of course it's going to be completely different because this book is set in the 1960s so um so yeah i mean when when delia owens uh, realized the success of her book she said she didn't know what hit her because she she had already written best selling non fiction but what she said and this i found very interesting was that in non fiction you can't lie too much right you can't uh, the the truth is like a big fence surrounding you like you can't describe characters in a way that they are not you know you have to stick to those those boundaries whereas in fiction you can make somebody as hot as you want as cute <laughs> as you want as ugly as you want you know so it's mm. it's um it it's it allowed her a lot more leeway and uh, i just and of course it's very 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 pictorial so reese with a spoon has taken it up to make a motion picture and it lends itself very well to the big screen because mm. there are these beautiful scenes of like geese landing like she's described the entire sky being covered with geese and then landing around her like snow Hmm. or she's discovered uh, she's described these autumn leaves swirling around her and like you know very very descriptive uh, passages which i could just see on the big screen you know i was like this is like hollywood material and wow. how so i hope uh, yeah i hope reese uh, does justice to this film because it, it's a beautiful book like it's not one of those uh, i can i like i can see it becoming a classic Mm. like i can see it becoming something that english lit students will read you know in years to come because it's very beautifully written also and 
I want to, and there's a lot of poetry in it. Uh, and this, the author describes herself as a secret poet. Hmm. Um, so I want to read my favorite tiny poem from it. Um, Perfect. So, okay. So it says, sunsets are never simple. Twilight is refracted and reflected, but never true. Even tide is a disguise, covering tracks, covering lives. We don't care that dusk deceives. We see brilliant colors and never learn. The sun has dropped beneath the earth by the time we see the burn. Sunsets are in disguise, covering truths, covering lies. Beautiful. So, yeah, yeah. So it's just, uh, uh, I would just, the only thing I can say is read it because mm-hmm. it's a very quick read. You just get through it. It's beautifully written. Every word is where it should be. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's basically what I have to say about it. It's, it's a lovely book. Is there a particular reason that it became, um, cause you said it's been on the New York times bestseller list for a couple of years, but the fact that now it's big in the UK again, is there a reason why was it reissued or uh, was there a particular conversation that brought this book back into the, the sort of international, uh, Discussion. No, no, I think I think Karan, what's happened is all the interviews I've read and everything, this book is has been a perfect book club book. And with 2020 being the year of everyone at home and nothing to do and all of that, all these book clubs have sprung up. I, I am a member of two myself. And they've just sprung up and uh, people have been wanting to discuss sort of wholesome, good literature, right? And this is that this is exactly that. So it's a riveting book. It's not boring by any standards, but it's beautifully written, you know. So I feel like this has been the most popular book club book. That's the oh, yeah, that's yeah. the uh, yeah that's the uh, feeling I got from all the interviews because a lot of book clubs have interviewed Delia Owens as well, right? And because they they're just like prominent book clubs, that is. So it's it's because of that the the, the popularity has just soared. And it's very, very American. The, the accents, the the time, the racial discrimination, all of that, the backdrop of that typical uh, 1960s, you know, rural America is is a is a very different picture of America today, right? So it's 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 it's, it's very interesting. I mean, I I can't uh, articulate it, I guess, but yeah, it's it's if you read it, you'll know what I mean. It's something that everyone would be interested in. So in any country. So, I, I, what I've liked about our um, our discussion, our choices today, and obviously vastly different in in country and obviously yeah. in genre too, uh, is the fact that yeah. we, are, we we are both sort of traveling while <laughs> staying at home, right? Like the uh, you know your your book sounds like uh, with the crawdads thing sounds like it's so vividly painted that that you are yes in place, you're actually there in the marshes, right? Uh, and similarly um, in in Borderlands, I I really felt like it is a travelogue. So it's taking me along to, to places I've never been to. And uh, I guess at the end of the day, that's yeah. one of the things we love about literature. We love about any books, literature, fiction or nonfiction, uh, is its ability to, you know, you could be sitting where we are, could be sitting in a mountain somewhere but, yes. and still be taken yes. to these new places. Yes, it transports you. It you it's a it's a great escape. Which is why sometimes when I'm on holiday, I don't actually read a, a very descriptive novel or a very uh, uh, involving sort of uh, novel because I'd rather be involved in the place I'm in and not mm. another imaginary place altogether. 
That's you know, point, so yeah. I guess that's why they say holiday reads. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've often felt because some of Murakami's books and all sometimes that I take on holiday are very like intense and then you're transported into like 1980s Japan and you're like, but why? I'm on a beach in like <laughs> uh, Lankawi. Like I don't want to be in Japan right now, you know? So, so yeah, yeah. So, but it that's the power of good uh, literature, I guess. So. Yes, so I'll, uh, but those who want to be transported, uh, we'll sort of recap the books we've gone through again for this uh, for this month. I read Borderlands by Pradeep Damodaran and uh, Shasta read Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. Please feel free to reach out to either myself or Shasta if you have any comments, any recommendations for future books that we should discuss. Until then, uh, we will catch up with Shasta uh, in a month's time. Welcome to Adi Manral, Managing Director of The Chakkar, Co-Founder of The Chakkar, uh, and our music expert, Adi, how are you doing? I'm great, uh, Karan. Uh, how are you doing? I'm good, and we are in a new year. It's uh, 2021. Uh, it feels yeah, like... Yeah, Happy New uh, Year to all of our readers, listeners. Today, uh, I want to talk about Lefafa. Uh, hmm. I would say one of the most interesting and exciting uh, indie artists, indie bich though, like, you know, just overall uh, musicians to come out of India. Uh, he's doing some really cool stuff. He has been, in, uh, you know, as the front man of Peter Cat Recording Company uh, and with his previous album. So Lifafa is Surya Khan Soni. Uh, as I mentioned, he, uh, Lifafa is sort of the solo project of, uh, Surya Kansoni. He used to be the frontman of Peter Cat Recording Company. He is clearly very classically trained and sings mostly in you know Hindustani. His lyrics are very meditative, beautiful, you know, and he and he adds these like interesting layers of disco, techno, folk music, all of that to his music, you know. And I I can honestly say it's nothing like any of us would have heard before. It, you know the kind of experimentation he does. It feels like uh, to me almost like Bollywood music from you know old Bollywood musics. You know, like the, the sort of stuff that oldest gold compilations used to be made of, but mixed with like a very 21st century futuristic sensibility, right? Um, his first album was called Jago and it had the title track is one of my favorite songs. Um, you know, the, the song starts off, it always haunts me the way the song starts. Uh, the lyrics are, right. Jago, 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 Jago. You know, it's a beautiful way to start the album, the song. My daughter is a big fan of this song too. So uh, it's a, it's a, it's like a great, like a family tradition to listen to this. His second yeah. project, second album is about to be released. It's, uh, I think the album is going to be called Superpower 2020. Uh, right. And I'm guessing 2021 is a good time to release it, I guess. Um, yeah. He has released two songs from the album so far, Lash and Mandir. Uh, what he's done has been extremely innovative in the sort of uh, promotion of this project where he started something called the Lifafa Cares thing, which is sort of like right. a, a PM Cares fund. He's asking people to donate to earn his releases, you know, and when he had a certain donation, then he released the, the Mandir song and uh, video. Uh, you know, if the prime minister can do it, then why not him, right? <laughs> so, so Adi, right. I want to talk to you about the, the song that you chose as our, um, as our song of the month. Uh, it's uh, his... The, the first track from his new project called Lash. 
right. Tell me about this song. Tell me about Lash. What is it that 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 caught you? Caught your eye? Caught your ears at the first time of hearing this song? Yeah, I I think like you've kind of given a bit of a brief on uh, how it all started in 2019. Like his first album came, and you know, uh, one of the most interesting artists that emerged out uh, from from whatever we had last year uh, was Lifafa, and uh, even though like his album was um, you know like like Hindi Hindi pop meets electronica. Um, it's it's all all of that but lyrically he was so strong uh, in i think we've had this conversation before but he was lyrically very strong in his uh, older album uh, uh, in in 2019 and with 2020 with this uh, new song which which i also felt like super superpower 2020 would maybe he had plans to uh, launch an album last year and maybe covid uh, spoiled those plans for him um yeah so i you know anything coming from him was i we we've all been quite uh, you know waiting waiting to hear what what lifafa would come up with and um, and lash is um, to to be honest like it caught my attention because um, a the song is very simple and uh, secondly like it's simple but it's also very unpredictable the, for for a first time listener like the where when you listen to the song the first time you really have no clue as to what direction the song is going to head into and uh, initially i thought it's a pretty dark uh, dark song the way it it started off but then it just gets into a very happy go vibe in the middle of the song and uh, it's quite interesting how he can do all of that and and i feel like with with lars he's kind of taken a bit of a liberty with with showcasing his uh, musical uh, abilities uh more than lyrically like you know more than lyrics now he's kind of kind of taken up the 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 way he's produced the track uh showing us how how versatile this guy is um though it does have a feel of of you know like you can you can kind of you can listen to the song and say that it's trademark lifafa like it is it has that vibe so uh, yeah all in all it's packaged really well it's it's a song uh, that catches your attention you listen to it once you listen to it again and then it just uh, it grows on you and so you keep listening to the song again and again and uh, yeah his his approach to everything like uh, is is simple yet uh, yet complex even the video like he made uh, made sure that you know he's going to pick up pieces from whatever footage he has and create a video and not just that but but you know like in that simplicity there's a complex uh, theme that's going around in the video and uh, there's a storyline to that video so it's it's quite interesting how he he's been approaching his uh, projects now and i think that's similar to how peter catch recording works as well like the way they've uh, constructed their songs their videos are are, are quite uh, interesting um but but yeah yeah that's 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 in a nutshell what i think about lash and why i for it to be a good song to pick up for this this podcast so you know you're sort of quite in tune with you know this the scene of um, independent musicians in india um and you sort and you you know i know that you dabble you list, you, you give a, a lot of different sounds a chance you know so the kind of music lefafa makes does he remind you of any other contemporaries and they don't even have to be contemporary they could be somebody from another generation even actually um, are there any other indian artists that you feel are doing this a similar thing to him 
I think, uh, yeah, like on top of my mind, I would say Ritu is, is uh, you know, one of the leading ones who, who is in the similar genre of electronic with, uh, with, 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 with Hindi, with a, with a dash of, you know, some classical Indian music that inspires all of it, but it's not, it's not the main uh, thing uh, of the, of the song. I think that, that's, but, but, but again, like they're, they're in the same group yet so different. And that's the beauty right now. People are, people are experimenting with music, um, which, which is quite interesting to see. Um, and, and Lifafa obviously uh, has sort of gained a, a really like, a cult status in the last few years among you know his fans and people who watch him at shows, people who follow him online. What would you say has been the reason behind his success? I mean, a lot of Indian artists are doing experimental stuff, right? But there is now I, I don't really have I don't I don't really have the language to express, you know, the the, the nitty gritties of what makes the music tick for somebody like me or for other people who follow him, right? What is it in your opinion that he's doing that that is like? really moving the the audiences to uh, to enjoy his music so much i think with his um, first album you know like 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 i said uh, his um, like the use of lyrics in the song was um, very powerful and at that time like uh, you you could kind of relate though like you could relate to those songs because of the unrest in the country to lots of um, political movements or, or, you know, just social movements. Uh, you could relate to those songs. Uh, his, his, he's not shy of, um, uh, you know, expressing all of those uh, views, which in India can be quite tricky at this point. Like, you know, you can't, you can't, you, you'll have to be very diplomatic the way you write songs, the way you do comic, uh, comedy and all of that. But he, he's been quite bold with all of that, you know, like with his first album uh, out, Jago, a few months later, you, you see him in, in the, Shaheen Bagh, you know, um, playing along with other artists. So uh, I, I think that's that's how he's able to kind of create uh, a cult, like you know, like like people who genuinely follow him because he's 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 an artist, but he's also presenting a, a face of who he really is as a person. Mm. So he's not shy of uh, not presenting that to people, so people can mm. really see who this guy is and what his views are, and uh, that's that's. I think that's how he has very loyal fan fan base. Well, uh, I think we we build up the artist by now. Enough of that. Let's listen to the song. The song of the month for us is called Lash, which means corpse. But the song is going to give you a very different meaning to to what the actual title is. Um, here you go, Lifafa's Lash. Oh, I'm here, see this. 
I'm here with Pratik Santram, associate editor of the Chakkar. Pratik, how are you doing? Pretty good. Uh, enjoying the enjoying the sun in the cold Missouri winter. Um, yeah, just enjoy, just just basically uh, enjoy the peace and quiet. Yeah, this place has. So I hope in this peace and quiet, you've had a chance to um, catch up with some multimedia. Some there, there's so much out there, as we always say. It's, it's so many films, yeah. so many TV series. We decided to make this episode about um, Indian sci-fi, which is sort of it's funny, right? Like uh, sci-fi is one of the biggest genres of uh, movies in the world right now. Everything sci-fi. Yes. I mean, yeah. not just right now. You know, go back decades and even stuff like. Um, Alien, Terminator movies, you know, everything, War of the Worlds, stuff I mean, like that. Sci-fi has, has I mean, been a major... Blo- yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go back to the 50s, 60s, whenever, you know. Like, creature from the Black Lagoon and uh, or whatever, like, mm-hmm. you know, there's that uh, incredible journey where they're shrunk and put into a human body. So yeah. I think sci-fi has been like one of those genres, even like even in novel form, like it's mm-hmm. always been there, Jules Verne and whatnot, you know, they've, they've been these predecessors. And movies, of course, a huge, huge genre. They're the biggest blockbusters. And it's always interesting that in India, it's, you know, in the past, the issue has always been budget. Like, how do we get budgeting, True. right, for sci-fi to make it go well? And in the past, we have tried it. And that's where, you know, it's, it's, we're not saying sci-fi movies don't exist in India. It's just that they've rarely been done well. So, which is why yeah. I want to talk to you about Cargo. Cargo was released. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, it, it first premiered in movie festivals in 2019, but it was released to us, the rest of the world on Netflix. Uh, in September yeah. 2020. So it's relatively, we're going to consider it new, you know. Um, Cargo is a Hindi science fiction film written and directed by Arati Kadav. It stars Vikrant Masse and Swishweta Tripathi in the lead roles. And the story is set on a spaceship named Pushpak 634A, where a demon, Prahashta, works for the post-death transition services with the help of a female astronaut uh, uh, who is played by Shweta Tripathi. And it's a place where dead people are re- recycled for rebirth. Cargo is entering soon. I am Prahasta, Services ka Rakshis. Aapka Pushpak 6348. And again, as I said, the, the cargo is low budget, but it's yeah. sci-fi. And it basically, the film answers the question of can sci-fi, can, can a good low-budget low movie be a good sci-fi movie too? Definitely. And uh, they do it really well. It's, it's low-budget, it's super intelligent, it's sort of very witty and like really experimental, you know, uh, in, in what it does. What was your first reaction watching this film? So honestly, like I hadn't even heard of the movie uh, because it was so under the radar. But I think you, you told me about it and I was like, uh, okay, and there was another, is there another movie called Cargo? So I got confused with that, but uh, I, I really liked it. But first of all, I mean, the draw was the two lead actors. Mm-hmm. You know, we know them, they're familiar faces, especially with the OTT, uh, <laughs> anyone who's a viewer of the OTT platforms. Um, so Vikran Masi uh, and Shweta Tripathi, I mean, first of all, I mean, they're from Mirzapur, so shout out to Mirzapur. But uh, I mean, apart from that though, like the, the story itself, I think was fantastically done. Um, it took something that, you know, these kind of stories when, when you see them, you kind of wonder how they got this together. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's really creative. It's really smart. It's really clever. And it, the best thing is that, that that I like is that it builds upon uh, a pre-existing mythology. You know that they're demons, and there are. And, and you, again, you get to know that. Uh, I don't think that's a spoiler though. But you get to know about this slowly. Um, 
but it's not a big reveal or anything it's just the just the way that they've used it's, the previous mythology it's announced in at the very beginning actually that yeah, uh, yeah. The, the, the the human rakshas treaty and, you know it's right, very funny yeah, because yeah. because rakshas which you know it's a term especially among north indians we think of them as demons as a negative connotation but mm-hmm. here the rakshas is just presented as kind of an alien species with certain powers they're not yeah. better or worse they're just different you know different yeah uh, so what they do is that they turn i mean the reason this in my opinion this movie worked is that they didn't do sci-fi the way the west does it like borrowing from a western idea that for example films like koi mil gaya and krishtan which yeah. we'll get on to later where they basically took the et or like a superhero concept they took a very indian mythological concept of rakshas and then took it into space and uh, yeah. so i really like that like it's it's sort of i've never seen an indian film like this which is uh supposed to be futuristic but but the technology feels very analog and old school and i think it was a deliberate decision because it adds to the aesthetic as to the wit of the movie yeah yeah it's uh i mean that's what you really like about it because they haven't they try to make a uh, really good use of the space that they had mm-hmm. uh it's not it doesn't have any fancy this things i mean the, you will see some kind of uh if you if you see like lots lots of space movies especially space travel films you will see some some familiar uh or uh, features in them uh with the western films but they're very few i mean mostly it is like the guy running the spaceship he goes through uh you know he's uh, alone uh, for the in the beginning of the film um uh, and how he passes his time how he works so i think that that might be a little familiar but everything else is like very very fresh and because and it's very believable also because you only get to see like the inside of the spaceship it's very believable i mean there are no there is no need in a movie like this for special effects but yet it is a very effective sci-fi film um so yeah i i think i think it's one of those movies which definitely is a must must watch in the sense of if you're into new indian cinema if you think that indian cinema uh especially in the sci-fi uh realm isn't doing a whole lot what's this i mean it's 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 going to be it's different uh, it's got a great storyline to go with it uh and it's done really really well yeah um and i also want to shout out the two actors as we did the two main actors vikrant masi and chhota tripathi they're, they're both fantastic um what i've written about is is that you know they're they're not trying to be film stars they're just mm-hmm. acting they're just trying to be actors wasi uh sorry masi he he shows barely any emotion in this film which is like really really i mean i think people who are who are expecting like a masala emotional sort of thing will be disappointed mm. with this because he is stone cold in this and but, but when he does show emotion it's priceless like the, when he saves it for certain moments right um shweta tripathi I, i mean uh, i spoke about her in when we talked about mirzapur 2 a few months ago i think she's a gem i think we've reached a point where any project she does i would want to watch it she's super talented yep. um and now i mentioned some people might think the movie is a bit slow uh mm. i felt that yes like that could be perceived as a weakness of the film i also felt that um another weakness is like you know the plot is very ambitious but it kind of like peters out by the end you know um we mm-hmm. you know we talk about reincarnations and we talk about rakshasas and and as well as the personal relationship between these two main characters um and i love that the focus is on the human element more than the sci-fi part but by the end of the film i did also feel that something was left unfinished like you know like we didn't really and i'm not a yeah. fan of you know the big neat endings but i just needed a better like finishing emotion for it to, for it to leave yeah. me with like we get this amazing characters this amazing world 
and i still think like the setup was amazing but I, but i didn't think they they told the best possible story they could have given the setup yeah 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 uh yeah i think because uh, I, this happens a lot with movies like this i mean and don't just sci-fi movies uh movies which have a great setup and a great kind of storyline and a, a unique setup sometimes the the story even though it's it's good like the story and overall is good but you're right the ending kind of does leave you wanting more but uh not not in a necessarily a good way you know what i mean mm. uh it feels a little incomplete you're right yeah um so i think they could have worked on that a little better uh but if anything i mean actually that uh, the 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 director i mean i i would watch uh, more movies uh by them so it's it's arati kadar yeah but yeah. It, yeah i think it i think it, honestly i think it's a, it's a solid 8 in my book hmm. so i would still watch it but yeah you're right it could have been made better by just like a better ending like maybe even like a open ending open ended this thing yeah. but uh, just a, a better finish yeah we won't spoil it any further but i but uh, yeah. you know I, i will compliment the film as in what what kadhav has done in making this film is that she has she's proved that you can make um a compelling story which is also sci-fi mm-hmm. and it's also kind of funny and and it doesn't need a big budget and especially with the ott options now you know um, th- this movie would have completely not worked in the theater like people would have yeah. not gone to watch it at all um it would have just been a, a huge flop but then again thank 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 the heavens for ott options that films like this can be made um yeah. so i want to step away from um, sort of cargo and and as i said like we teased in the beginning i want to talk a little bit more about uh, other uh good or bad sci-fi films made made out of india of course mm-hmm. uh the very first name one of the very first name comes to mind is koimilgia which is <laughs> yeah. uh and you know uh, the indian carbon copy of et you know i'll be yeah. honest when it came out this is um, we're talking early 2000s right it it felt very ambitious just the yeah. posters no one in india had ever seen anything like this rithik roshan was like on his way to stardom he was actually already a, a young big young star um yeah and it was just like an exciting idea but honestly it it was an unwatchable movie then and it's an unwatchable <laughs> movie now rithik playing a mentally challenged man child just feels wrong in so many ways and like why not just cast a child in that role and then you have like you, you have uh, he's a man of the kids mind and then he's being romanced by a grown woman um it has some like <laughs> crazy it's, it's a little yeah yeah because obviously like it's appropriate in that sense but she is clearly in love with like the, it i mean i can't explain better but 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 she's in love with like the the childish things you know it's yeah. it, it's yeah. there's a lot wrong in this now uh, it's quite messed up i have um, another relationship with this movie because as as a basketball fan or indian basketball fan <laughs> koi milgia has one of some of the craziest basketball scenes on any film ever you know where um, jadu yeah. who's a little alien he helps yeah. rithik's team win this huge basketball games Th- their team name is the pandavs um and jadu's basically like yeah he's et and it's sort of like space jam uh so yeah not the best movie now there were a couple of sequels to this which which went from sci-fi to superhero uh krish yeah. krish 1 and krish 2 uh yeah like yeah. again not very watchable in my opinion um but you know what it was i if i'm not wrong i think this, that was the biggest hit of the year yeah. that was released all these uh, films were big hits all, all of them koi mil gaya and both crashes 
but koi mil gaya would not have been a big hit if you take if you just did the et storyline i mean it had, it had to have rithik roshan and of course and this is not a spoiler i don't think we go to spoil this movie by saying that when it. he comes in it's spoiled already sure. let's spoil it okay so uh, when he does come into contact with the alien um he basically becomes super smart he loses all his because he's mentally challenged mm-hmm. and suddenly he becomes like smart he becomes a, becomes a great dancer um and he can fight i, I don't remember if there's a fight scene but there's, he can, he can there's do something. he can play ball he can fight he can do all of these he things he can play ball yeah yeah, yeah 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 so so i mean it wouldn't have worked with a kid basically it would not would not have been a hit i mean i mean this is made by his father just remember that and uh, all all his all his father's movies are like a vehicle for him to uh or a vehicle for rithik roshan basically yeah. um so anyway yeah, i mean but, yeah uh but no, what so, it did do what it did do mm-hmm. it was with it did introduce like aliens into the indian uh, cinema landscape mm-hmm. which had actually been never never been done before successfully i mean we had aliens in the past yeah we we'll, was a big hit yeah so uh, it, it it was indeed a big hit but what what i meant is it was not a good movie and i feel that if it was made in a ott era they would have actually tried going with a child actor I mean uh, Indian cinema has a very sketchy history of terrible child actors which we, we don't get into right now but um, yeah. I don't know it it it, it could have worked now the other hits we just talk about the big hits right now uh, mm-hmm. the, the the robot films robot and 2.0 starting starring rajnikanth mm-hmm. you know big budget yeah. popcorn film again not a great film but you know like we you, you respect the the vision you respect the fact that they tried yeah. for it they tried to do this like ambitious sci-fi thing um yeah a pk with amir khan which came out more recently yeah. where he's an alien um, which which actually which actually like for the for in the sci- again it's not it's not so much sci-fi as it is like uh, comedy uh, yeah. and just based around the sci-fi idea uh, yeah. but yeah i mean again it it i think it tackled a lot of issues which without without yeah again for a sci-fi movie it tackled a lot of issues that's what i mean it's pretty good i think part of pk's success was um, is something similar to cargo and it's this is going to sound funny even though cargo is like low budget and pk is one of the biggest bollywood films of all time um mm-hmm. I, i i think it took a sci-fi idea of an alien but put it very at the heart of indian issues at the heart of indian religious right. issues and uh, it's something that a lot of people could like completely relate to so you could forget that this movie is about an alien after a while mm-hmm. but the alien angle helped in looking at india from this outside gaze right um yeah the ultimate sci-fi movie made in india pratik I, i think you and i have talked about this before we have to agree it has to be mr india right sin yeah yeah again uh, yeah again it's again a superhero film uh with just the right amount of sci-fi and it's actually you know it's 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 one of those movies that you can watch over and over again because it's a masala film it is a masala film but at the same time it's got the sci-fi element it's got a superhero it is i think it is india's first proper superhero film as well yeah uh and it's superhero a, movie done right it it it's actually a very good masala film we don't mean masala like sometimes in some cases i mean it as a negative in this case it's definitely positive. Uh, a, a positive thing uh anil kapoor and shri devi at their best you know um it, uh mogambo khushua it gave us practically the greatest bollywood villain of all time uh the, the, the spectacles the invisibility thing you know uh, he can only be <laughs> seen in red red here yeah. Yeah, there's so many yeah. great songs. You know, uh, it has a scene yeah. where a statue of uh, Hanuman starts beating up the bad guys. Like it's just oh, the, yeah. the, it's classic. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of great moments from Mr. India, and uh, 
uh, you're right in saying it's a it's a film that even though it came out now what 30 35 years ago yeah if it's on tv sometimes i'll i'll watch it for about half an hour because it's 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 so much fun um yeah it has Pratik, and i think uh, sorry go on now i was saying i was saying like uh, before we move on like it has to be mentioned like mogambo is probably one of the best comic book villains uh, ever and ever, amrish yeah. puri play, plays it to a t because he it's true i mean it it is i mean if you look at it now obviously it is uh very he is very villainy in his villainness yeah <laughs> so you know what i mean like he's got the lines he's got the hair he's got the outfit he's got the whatever the palace so whatever it is mm-hmm. but 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 it does it's done so well like it's so cliche but it's done so well like it's one of those things but yeah mr india also had um the, the most dramatic death scene that oh i've ever God, yeah. for a child especially yeah. that i i remember from in any indian film which and that's all i'm going to say about it Um, so before we end this like so so I ended up doing a lot more research on indian sci-fi uh, for this podcast um and 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 there is a very rich history of indian sci-fi films especially in uh, movies of regional languages outside of bollywood we have mm-hmm. we, we have basically been talking about bollywood right now bollywood um, yeah mostly um you know th- there was a tamil american film called kadu in the 50s mm-hmm. there's a tamil film called kalai arasi in the 60s uh satyajit ray tried his hand at uh making a uh, a sci-fi film in the 60s but it never finished and it, I, i think that could have been like it, it could have been india's uh, sort of answer to like stanley kubrick you know something like that mm-hmm. um yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's a telugu film called aditya 369 so so these are like films that have been made over the, the decades and and we have we started from the 50s until now uh, in regional languages yeah. uh, the the worst sci-fi film which i didn't watch but i just know is the worst uh, is love story 2050 i forgot yes. this movie existed and thank you so much for reminding me that it did uh, you're so. all welcome to to uh, <laughs> for this reminder love story 2050 perhaps i mean not just the worst it might maybe one of the worst films ever made films ever. Um, but there are many <laughs> many starts- more in uh, in regional languages in india mm-hmm. and I, i would recommend anyone there's like a wikipedia page dedicated to uh, indian sci-fi so i would recommend anyone to, to check that out yeah uh yeah i mean i think sci-fi is something that india can go ahead and that's why we started with cargo because i think that's something that indian filmmakers can explore because it's not always about the big budgets and the and the special effects uh sci-fi necessarily in fact if you look at some of the best sci-fi films of all time also i mean for example let's if you look at to a 2001 space odyssey uh the the brilliance is not in the 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 special effects the brilliance is in how he uses the story like or, or not just story is the way he shows his characters in the film kubrick i'm we talking about mm-hmm. so yeah i mean there's definitely that it's a, there's a lot that india can do with it and we think that hollywood has this like uh, stamp of authority on st- sci-fi I, i think we can do a lot more just like we've done a lot with horror i think we can do a lot with sci-fi as well yeah um, just to echo what you said uh, cargo has proved that you don't need a big budget to be imaginative and um, and ott platforms have proved that you don't need you know you don't need a big uh, superstar i mean the, the the two main actors in this film are well known faces but they're not necessarily super duper stars they're the real actors you know um you don't need big super duper stars to to tell a good story convincingly well anyways thank you for uh, engaging me in this conversation prateek and i'll catch you next time a big thank you to all the guests for joining us today and of course to all the listeners who have tuned in I hope you have enjoyed this episode. Please check us out on thechakkar.com. 
and we are on Facebook, on Instagram and Twitter at the Chakkar. Until next time, Chakkar Ghumte Raho.